It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. After the podcast, check out our other episodes, all our Bible study resources, videos, download the CQ app, and more at ChristianQuestions.com. Today's topic is, what can we learn from one of the wisest men on earth? Coming up in this episode, the wisdom of King Solomon is legendary. His grasp of life, his understanding of just and righteous actions, and his focus on integrity just poured out of his writings. This all sounds good, but his writings are 3,000 years old. How can they even remotely approach being relevant today? Now, here's Rick, Jonathan, and Julie. Welcome, everyone. I'm Rick. I'm joined by Jonathan, my co-host, for over 20 years. And Julie, a longtime CQ contributor, is also with us. Jonathan, what's our theme scripture for today's episode? 1 Kings 4, 29. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. To seek and acquire wisdom seems to be a lost art in our technology-laden world. Why spend the time seeking, gathering, learning, absorbing, internalizing, and applying wisdom when you can simply Google it to, and be told what something means? Why invest time and effort into trying to become a wise person when most of your friends and family are likely to disagree with such wisdom anyway? Face it, acquiring godly wisdom spells social media disaster. While this may be true, we need to step back for a moment and consider some things. While social media may rule the day, godly wisdom is timeless. It never changes, never diminishes, never loses its potency. It's always right and inevitably brings, supports, and enhances life. So our first words of wisdom for today, choose that which is eternal. So we're going to be looking at the Proverbs and King Solomon. So first of all, Julie, who was King Solomon? He was King David's son with Bathsheba. And among other things, he's famous for building Solomon's temple. And early in his reign as the third king of Israel, he asked God for wisdom, and it was granted. He wrote three books, most of the Proverbs, and also Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. And it's thought that he wrote the Proverbs in his younger years. All right. And what are the Proverbs? Most of us are familiar with the short sayings of the Proverbs that are usually one or two lines of smart advice. But the first nine chapters of the book are different. They're a poetic essay. They contrast wisdom from foolishness, and it sets the stage for all those little independent gems of wisdom that follow. The book of Proverbs is an instruction manual for a godly life, and it's for all ages and backgrounds. Rick and Julie, I think through the different stages of life, we can read the Proverbs and receive different lessons along the way. I value the Proverbs more than ever now because of a more mature perspective. And with all the mistakes I've made along the way and the hurt I've received by others, it helps me to be more introspective and less judgmental. The Proverbs show us if we are living a God-honoring life or not. And, it, and it's true. The Proverbs are very, very personal. And, you know, Solomon is going to explain himself why he's talking about wisdom uh, and his explanation. And I'm actually going to be reading some of the scriptures this evening because, for me, wisdom is one of the centerpieces 
of what I strive for in life. And, and folks, if you've listened to us before, you've heard that we've had a lot of experiences that require wisdom. And I'm always looking for, always studying, and always praying for God's wisdom to overrule my own foolishness. And so looking at the Proverbs is very, very personal for me as well. So let's get started with Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel, to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So Solomon is giving us a basis for what he's about to talk about. Because God gave Solomon such discernment and breadth of mind, let's dig into the small steps with which Solomon sets up his writings in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. So in verse 2 he said, to know wisdom and instruction, and the word for instruction means chastening or correction. Proverbs helps us recognize the value of wisdom, and correction explains them to us. He continues, the the, the Proverbs are there to discern the sayings of understanding. This recognition of wisdom and correction opens us to discerning the deeper truths of life. Discernment means the ability to perceive right from wrong and everything in between, the ability to think clearly. He continues in verse 3, to receive instruction, again, chastening or correction, in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. And the Proverbs give us discernment of deep truths and help us receive the necessary correction to be honorable in our moral behavior, our integrity, and our treatment of others. And now Solomon changes his focus as he continues in verse 4, to give prudence to the naive. I like how the New Living Translation calls this, to make the simple-minded clever. So if you ever don't feel smart enough, take the Proverbs to heart. In Proverbs, wisdom is made practical for those who aren't philosophical. Solomon continues, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. In Proverbs, the young will be taught to grasp principles and properly apply them. Verse 5 continues, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. No matter what level of wisdom we've attained, Proverbs gives us the opportunity to get rise further. New Christians often write us at inspiration at christianquestions.com to ask where to begin? We often tell them, start reading the book of Proverbs. And yet, Jonathan, here you just told us how much more meaningful they are to you as a mature Christian. It's so true. And, and, and Solomon continues, uh, and he says, a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Proverbs brings insight into understanding difficult and veiled writings and sayings. So, Rick and Julie, the bottom line for this introduction is, no matter who we are, Proverbs helps us to learn how to decipher morality, integrity, wisdom, justice, righteousness, and spirituality, if our heart is in the right place. If our heart is in the right place. Intellect doesn't matter. Your heart just needs to be in the right place. So he's got this introduction as to why he's putting all of this together. And he concludes this introduction with a pearl of wisdom. And that's in Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now that term fear of the Lord, fear there means reverence. I want to quote from a YouTube video called The Bible Project 
Proverbs, and they said this, a moral mindset for, for reverence means I recognize I'm not God. I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. <laughs> inconvenience. Wisdom understands inconvenience and actually kind of laughs at it and says, okay, let's go anyway. So let's go through these first several chapters of Proverbs. Jonathan, what is chapter one about? This is about a father's instruction to his son to avoid foolish and wayward behavior. And so as we begin each chapter synopsis, we want to begin with a pearl of wisdom to look forward to in that chapter. Julie, what's our pearl of wisdom for this chapter? Passionately teach your children the ways of wisdom and godliness. So give passion into what you teach your children. Let's look at Proverbs 1 now. The introduction is, is passed, and now we're getting into the meat of the matter. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. What a beautiful picture that is. Solomon begins by saying that godly parental instruction Actually, it looks good on you, and that's the thing that we need to understand, that wisdom is becoming. It looks good on us if we choose to, to accept it. Verse 10. My son, if sin entices you, do not consent. Solomon goes on to warn his son against not hanging out with the wrong people in verses 11 through 19. It's interesting to see that parenting, parenting concerns haven't changed much in the last 3,000 years. Yeah, it is. It's the same thing. It's just a different world. And that's why the same wisdom is perfectly attuned for our present day. So as we continue, Solomon uh, speaks of wisdom as being recognizable in our normal daily life. Wisdom is poetically personified as a woman calling out loud from the streets in Proverbs 1, 20 to 23. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Aside from just the gullible and foolish, a scoffer makes fun of someone or something, often of religion or moral values. They laugh at what's really important. Here, Lady Wisdom isn't hiding. She is shouting over the noise of this world, ready to freely share her words to whoever will listen. Examples of wisdom and voices of reason are all around us. And Solomon has implied that those who aren't apl haven't applied themselves to thinking deeply, those who scoff and those who just don't want to know, all still have access to higher things. Just pay attention. Just pay attention. Wisdom does cry out in the streets. It's just that it's a voice that we choose to ignore because it may not be fun or exciting or we may not think it to be relevant to what I want right now. But wisdom is always there if we look. As we continue, all the thoughts, words, and deeds bring some level of natural consequences for good or evil. So whatever it is that we do, we say, or think, there are consequences, good or bad, for those things. And that's brought out for us in Proverbs 1, 29 to 33. So Lady Wisdom says this, Because they hated knowledge, 
and did not choose the fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. There are natural consequences to rejecting wisdom. I found a great commentary, uh, Matthew Poole's commentary. He said this, And as a wicked man's mind is often full of anxiety in the midst of all his outward prosperity and glory, so the mind of a good man is filled with peace and joy, even when his outward man is exposed to many troubles. Isn't that a beautiful way to show you how valuable wisdom is? And, you know, you, you see the beauty of that, and you compare it to what Solomon said, uh, the waywardness of the naive will kill them. You're just going to wander into self-destructiveness. The complacency of fools will destroy them. So there are consequences. And Solomon, at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, is, is, is giving a warning Take heed, look around, look above, and find something well worth following. So as we wrap up Proverbs chapter 1, and believe me, we've taken a really <laughs> quick look at it, as we will several chapters in this episode, we're going to wrap up with what we're going to call words of wisdom. And I want to explain this phrase before we use it. I, for many, many, many years, have heard this phrase every time someone in my family had a birthday. Many years ago, it's got to be 20 years ago or so, my dad, when we would celebrate birthdays on, on Sunday at our Sunday dinner around that big old table at my mom and dad's house, when we would celebrate someone's birthday, after all of the cake and all of the singing and all of everything else, he'd clear his throat and he'd say, okay, Rick, now you're a year older. What words of wisdom do you have for us? And he'd get quiet and you'd need to respond. And it became a big, big thing in our family. And sometimes members of the family would come with written comments. Uh, my grandson, Dominic, when he was five years old, his very first words of wisdom were, uh, his words of wisdom were, uh, always wear socks with sneakers so your feet don't stink. <laughs> and you know what? You got to start somewhere. That's so, very wise. <laughs> so we're ending each of these s segments with words of wisdom. Jonathan, what do we have? While godly wisdom can appear to be hard to understand, it doesn't have to be. Let us recognize that as we take small steps of progress, we begin to make wisdom personally attainable, understandable, and applicable. So wisdom is there, but we need to take the steps to find it, to seek it, to make it part of our very lives. So Solomon's message begins with an encouraging and profound truth. Wisdom is not only meant for those who are wise. Solomon is telling us godly wisdom is important and available. So, what must we do to acquire it? It's fascinating to realize that God endowed King Solomon with godly wisdom. As Solomon seeks to share that wisdom, his very first point is that because he was blessed with this gift, he will lay out to others what they need to do to have it as well. Solomon's wisdom was driven by a humble desire to give others what he himself had be been given. And it just gives you the sense that he knew that this was a godly gift. It's not something that he deserved necessarily, but God gave it to him. And one of his objectives, and it's a noble objective, was 
I want others to hear and to feel and to see and to understand the things that I've been given. And that's why we have the book of Proverbs. So Jonathan, Proverbs chapter 2, what are we learning there? The focus is a plea for the young to passionately seek true wisdom and find true reverence for God. Okay, seeking true wisdom, finding true reverence for God. And Julie, what's our beginning, our introductory pearl of wisdom? Be one who chooses to gratefully receive godly wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I'll begin with verses 1 through 5. My son. Now, now let me pause there because Solomon references his son many, many times in Proverbs. And we want to look at this and we want to expand that because all children, men, boys and girls, young men, young women need to hear these words. So Proverbs 1, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, my child. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Wow, that's really good. Think about this. Seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. If we knew there was money hidden somewhere or we lost it, we would stop what we're doing. We're going to go search for it. So we should be searching for wisdom with even greater excitement and anticipation. So Solomon was saying, receive the words, treasure the commandments, listen attentively, ask questions, seek and search to discover, and thereby learn to reverence and know God. He had a way of saying a lot with just a few words. And he's just saying, focus in, my son, my child, because there's so much here for you to live by. So let's go to Proverbs 2. Jonathan, let's do verses 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice, and he perseveres the way of his godly ones. So we're giving the sense that it all comes from God. Everything I'm saying to you comes from above. Why? Because Solomon was given it from above, and that is exactly what he's passing on. This passion to receive that he's speaking of and encouraging is rewarded with knowledge, understanding, wisdom, protection, and preservation. And Jonathan, you read guarding the paths of justice. And I'm starting to see a pattern here. Continuing with Proverbs 2.12 in the New Living Translation, it says, wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose speech is corrupt. These people turn from right ways to walk down dark and evil paths. They rejoice in doing wrong and they enjoy evil as it turns things upside down. And what they do is crooked and their ways are wrong. So seeking true wisdom and reverence for God, for us today, it means to carefully guard our input. This means our music, our TV, our social media, who we're going to hang out with. We will become what we hear and see. So do you want godly wisdom? Stay away from those people and things that turn things upside down, confusing your sense of right and wrong, your discernment. So it's so important, and, and, and Solomon is, is speaking to his child, saying, 
This is what you need to know. So that's an, a quick overview of Proverbs chapter 2. A lot of chapters in Proverbs. We're going to cover several of them today. Jonathan, what does Proverbs chapter 3 have for us? Well, here is what Solomon has in store for us next. Extolling the transforming properties of wisdom, adding the character that goes with it, and giving practical examples of how to be wise and full of integrity. So we've got a sense of what the chapter's about. So what's the pearl of wisdom that we can look at this chapter as we keep it in mind? Keep, cherish, and apply the godly wisdom you've been given. All right. Keep, cherish, and apply it. It's something that is very, very important. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 4. My son, my child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. The positive, natural consequence of remembering, holding, displaying, and feeling godly wisdom is being a respectable and upright person in the sight of God and man. So Solomon, again, is laying a groundwork talking to his children and giving them this basis, this groundwork to work from. Proverbs 3, Jonathan, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Well, this is a special set of scriptures for me. My wife had verses 5 and 6 engraved in my wedding ring. This has been the theme of our marriage, to trust in God, acknowledge Him, and to look for His leadings. Proverbs changes lives. It gives you direction. It's something you can always go back to and always trust. And what better place to keep it engraved than on your wedding band. What a great, great uh, piece of, of uh, a gem of wisdom right there, having that there. So as we see in, in the beginning of Proverbs chapter 3, the results of grateful receiving and passionately applying God's wisdom are being able to trust that which is from above for guidance and insight beyond our own capacity. You've got to trust something that's bigger than you. That's what this is about. And our world is exactly the opposite. It's about me. Proverbs is saying, no, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be coming from outside of you. This humble trust revives our very being. Proverbs teaches us good judgment, and that begins with our heart's commitment to mercy and truth. A 2018 study from Cornell University estimates the average adult makes about 35,000 remote conscious decisions each day. And I have a quote from a friend of ours named Tim M. He said this, each decision carries consequences and we might use good or bad judgment. The mental faculty of judgment is the final filter of our thoughts before we lead with our words, work with our hands or move with our feet. And we use judgment and discernment before the action. If these are properly trained, our reactions will be godly. And see, that's the whole point. And, and Solomon is saying, think before you respond, before you act. Consider, look above, look outside of yourself, because life is bigger than you are. 
Reach up for guidance. Get something. Look for something bigger than you. In this state of humble receiving and trust, here are practical ways wisdom can drive us. Jonathan, let's go to Proverbs 3, 27 to 31. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't pause. Don't wait. Just go do the things that you can do. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Don't wait. There's this sense of urgency. Wisdom brings urgency to accomplish that which is before us. Do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Make sure you're not looking to make trouble. That's another aspect of wisdom. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Don't stir the pot. Solomon is being amazingly practical in all aspects of our life. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways, for the devious are an abomination to the Lord. So it's talking about separating yourself from the way others act and, and, and you might naturally respond and saying, step up to a much higher level. Such actions, as Solomon is describing, are living proof of godly wisdom being gratefully received cherished, applied, and, and wisdom being humbly trusted. And we hope that our listeners will go back and read every single one of these in these chapters we're talking about, because as an instruction manual for our godly life, Proverbs answers many of life's questions, including how to get a good night's sleep. Proverbs 3, 21, 24 tells us to keep sound wisdom and discretion. Then you'll walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Now notice another path of direction. And when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. All right. So Proverbs chapter 4, Jonathan, where are we going next? These are examples of what wisdom will do for you while on your path to success. And what pearl of wisdom do we have to look forward to? Godly wisdom brings grace and honor to those who humbly receive it. All right, very simple, very straightforward. Proverbs, uh, let's do Proverbs chapter 4. And again, we're just doing an overview, folks, to give you a sense of the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So there's that admonition, acquire. You, it takes work. Go after it. Go get it. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is protective. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquiring wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. So Solomon's repeating himself. He's saying that wisdom watches over you, but you have to go get it. It's not a free gift. It's something that you work for. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So you get this sense that you want wisdom to be very, very, very close to every aspect of your life. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. And Solomon is again giving us a sense of wisdom looks good on you. Make sure you decide to wear it in your everyday life. Continuing in on chapter 4 shows another contrast of path. Proverbs 4.18 in the New Living Translation says... The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter unto the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like complete darkness. 
Those who follow it have no idea what they're stumbling over. So you have this this incredible uh, drama <laughs> that Solomon is drawing, saying there's a way that is so good, and then the way pretty much that everybody else goes down is so bad. Don't let yourself be drawn into those areas. So pro- in Proverbs, Solomon is really giving us a strong sense of not only what, but how, when, and why. Jonathan, our words of wisdom. Godly wisdom is not natural, nor is it a right of inheritance. It is acquired. It is acquired by a willingness to receive it with gratitude, a passion to be transformed by it, a humble acceptance of its leading, and an application of it that changes who you are. So godly wisdom is something that's out there and available if we, in fact, decide to avail ourselves. So to learn, absorb, and apply wisdom obviously is no easy task. It requires a focus and desire that gives us a willingness to be renewed. What are the practical benefits of living by godly wisdom in a world that has run far away from God? Solomon has thus far inspired us to make the seeking of God's wisdom in our lives a priority. We have seen its beauty and transformative power, and now Solomon will speak very plainly regarding the everyday life issues that come before any average life. He will plant godly wisdom into the middle of many dilemmas as a way to wade through our challenges. So now Solomon is going to get even more practical with this application. He spent a lot of time saying what it is and and how it should be just a part of your life. Why? Well, here's where we're going to begin to see that. Jonathan, Proverbs chapter 5. Once instructed, following wisdom and understanding can keep you far from any immoral and ungodly behavior, which only leads to destruction. So when you hear that that overview of chapter 5, you say, okay, incoming, because you know something something tough is, is, is about to, to appear. So Julie, what's our pearl of wisdom that we can look forward to? Godly wisdom provokes us to keep fidelity to morality always and undeniably intact. Okay, fidelity to morality always and undeniably intact. We go to Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, we'll start with uh, verses 1 through 6, and I'll do verses 1 to 2. My son, my child, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of the grave. And now verse 6 from the New Living Translation. For she doesn't care about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it leads. So again, Rick and Jonathan, we see that path. There's this smooth, straight path to the Lord versus a crooked, dark path with obstacles in the way to trip over. There's no progress on that path because you trip over things like secrets, alibis, lies, shame, regrets. So using the discernment and diligence of wisdom certainly will make our lives less complicated. Less complicated and 
much, much uh, safer, much, much more fulfilling. If godly wisdom has been ingrained in us, as Solomon has been speaking through all these previous chapters, we cannot use the fact that someone else doesn't know better as an excuse for our sin. Well, they're going there, so it shouldn't be so bad. It, we can't do that. The, pro, the Proverbs are telling us, Solomon is, Solomon is telling us, make sure you stand firm in what has been taught to you. Let's go to Proverbs uh, chapter 5, we're still in 5, verses 7 to 9, and then 12 to 13. Now then, my sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And you say, how I have hated instruction, and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. So you've got this sense of going down the wrong way, and it's as you're actually you're turning your life over to things that are, are not good, not healthy, and going to bring destruction. This is what you're doing. You go that, to, that direction, this is the kind of life you're going to end up with. And, and you know, Solomon is, is beginning to repeat himself. Listen, listen, don't let what I'm saying depart from you. Repetition is a worthy instructor. Repetition is a worthy instructor. I am responsible for godly wisdom, the godly wisdom that I have been given. I need to step up and hold that responsibility. And that's why Solomon keeps repeating it. And while Solomon's warning against immoral women, the sin of seduction, of course, applies to both men and women. We have to assume Solomon would have known about the tragedies created by the sin of his father David with his mother Bathsheba. So this warning of sexual immorality and adultery was probably a very personal warning to his own son. And a, a very appropriate warning, not only then, 3,000 years ago, but an incredibly appropriate warning now, because our temptations are easier, more available, more common, more accepted. And so the wisdom that Solomon is speaking of, we really, really do need to hold on to here. So that's an overview of Proverbs chapter 5. Jonathan, what about Proverbs chapter 6? This is about wise advice against bad business decisions and counsel to immediately deal with whatever commitments you have made, knowing and avoiding things that are despised by God. We call that being an ostrich where you put your head in the sand and pretend you don't see anything, where you know and avoid something. Don't be an ostrich. <laughs> no, be wise. It, it, when you can see what's around you, even if it's difficult, wisdom can actually work with you. So Proverbs chapter 6 about wise uh, advice against bad business decisions and counsel to do the things that are before us. What's our pearl of wisdom to look forward to? Godly wisdom inspires extraordinary diligence in all business matters correcting bad judgments, and carrying out responsibilities while always remaining above sinful behavior. So there's that sense of always remaining above, and we've seen that come out in the Proverbs many times before this. So, Jonathan, let's look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and this will be from the New Living Translation. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger— if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off, do it now. Don't rest until you do. 
Save yourself like a gazelle escapes from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. So the, the, the key thing that Solomon is talking about here is if you've made a bad choice and you realize it, immediately, immediately go try and rectify it. Go try to undo your bad choices if it's possible. You, he's saying stand up for things and absolutely pursue that which is right. Realizing bad judgment is important, but immediately acknowledging and correcting it is a mark of diligent adherence to higher standards. Diligent adherence to higher standards. That is wisdom in action. Moving forward a little bit in Proverbs 6, just as important as being diligent in carrying out all is, is I'm sorry, just as important is being diligent in carrying out all of our responsibilities. It's, it's not just when you make a mistake, but everything else that's put before you, we have to have diligence. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. A sluggard means someone who's sluggish, a lazy person. Those who are lazy need to go to ant school. (laughs) Ants appear only twice in the Bible, both times here in Proverbs, as an example of hard work and diligence. Think about this. Have you ever seen an ant just sitting around doing nothing? Yeah, you get that sense, and and you know that 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 phrase, "oh sluggard," uh, it's not normal English; it's old English. And but you know, I find myself when I feel like I'm I'm getting lazy. That's what I say to myself out loud: "Thou sluggard, <laughs> shake it off, <laughs> move forward, and use the ant as a, as an example." And Solomon's saying in business, be diligent, do the things that are before you that are your responsibilities. A little bit further in Proverbs 6 is a warning to avoid those things that God despises. Now, this is a big warning. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. This particular collection of sins is focused on how we treat others. That word for haughty, as in haughty eyes, is also translated a proud look. The Hebrew word means to lift up, raise up, exalt oneself. An arrogant person looks down on others. You know, I picture the devil's demeanor just like this when he tempted Jesus three times. And what's the difference between a lying tongue and a false witness who utters lies? We all know what lying is, but bearing false witness carries with it the intent to harm. It's an act of deception to misrepresent the life words or actions of another person. Yeah, this is definitely one of those areas where it's, please don't try this at home. These seven things that God despises are actions that are in direct contradiction to godliness, and therefore wisdom has no part of them. And we really want to understand and and realize that godly wisdom knows what pleases and what displeases God. Follow that which pleases him, and blessings will follow. So having wisdom includes living up to mistakes, having integrity, and working hard. Absolutely. Positively, and Solomon is being very plain and straightforward on that in Proverbs chapter 6. Let's do an overview of Proverbs chapter 7. 
further prodding towards the necessity of having wisdom thoroughly integrated into every aspect of your life, especially when it comes to your physical desires and your sexuality. So again, Solomon is going to get very deep and very personal here. What's the pearl of wisdom to look for? Godly wisdom helps us to see those things which entice and entrap others for exactly what they are, snares of evil. Okay, pretty simple. You've got snares of evil all around you in life. Be aware and do the things that you must do to avoid them. So we'll look at Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, and I will uh, do verses 1 through 5. My son, my child, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live in my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. We want to heed these warnings to avoid an immoral woman or man. I found this great commentary by David Guzik. On this, he said, The task of keeping men and women from sexual immorality sometimes seems impossible. This is due to many factors, including a secular, sexually saturated and permissive culture. I think that's sexually saturated is really well said. The widespread availability of pornography, laws making divorce easy and impossible to contest, and social media technology making anonymous meetings easier. Continuing in Proverbs 7, 6 through 8, For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive, and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. Naive, youth, young man lacking sense. There's no mistaking he's talking about a young person here because youth has passion and energy and overconfidence. So if they can learn wisdom principles at this stage, the path of life is going to be a lot easier. They're going to avoid those hard consequences and won't have to unlearn all those bad habits. And part of Solomon's teaching, it was realizing right at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, he said, this is for everyone. And he included, he went out of his way to include those who maybe don't know as much, don't have as much life experience. He's saying, you can learn this. You can avoid these pitfalls. This story is that, that uh, Proverbs is talking about, in, uh, so- Solomon is talking about in Proverbs 7, is, is one of a compromised and ruined life. Solomon concludes the chapter, Proverbs 7, 24, and 25, like this. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. When we're talking about temptation, resistance is a lot easier when that decision's already been made. We don't want to wait and see what happens. And this reminds me of episode 1182, Can I Get What I Want Through Seduction? And that was a story about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And the quote from there said, the moment we begin to slow down and consider that which is seductive, we openly invite that seduction to show us more. Be aware. That's what Solomon is saying. Be aware, be prepared, and stand for that which is right. Jonathan, our words of wisdom. Godly wisdom acts as guardrails along our journey of life. On one side, it keeps us from and helps us correct foolish decisions. On the other side, 
It can keep us from the darkness of our own desire that would surely wound or destroy us. All the while, godly wisdom keeps us on the path moving forward and doing that which pleases God. And there's a powerful thought in the, in the fact that godly wisdom is on both sides of us. It can absolutely keep us going on the straight and narrow path, but we need to decide that's where we want to be and step up and follow that wisdom. So godly wisdom is one of the most practical tools of guidance that any Christian can have and lean upon each and every day. Godly wisdom changes our personal lives. What will we see when we step back and view the big picture? Next, we're going to see godly wisdom personified in several ways. Solomon does this to show us how broad, powerful, and influential it is. One of the most important wisdom factors that appears in Proverbs chapter 8 is that the wisdom Solomon is teaching about does come from our God and Creator. Wisdom began with God, and it has been passed down to us. And this is important because Solomon is basically saying, from God Almighty come these thoughts. Please take them, consider them, apply them. And he's, and he's showing us wisdom in so many different ways. Jonathan, what about Proverbs chapter 8? There are further examples of the breadth of where and how wisdom shows itself and the importance of heeding its guidance. Okay, the breadth of where and how wisdom shows itself. What's our pearl of wisdom to look for in chapter 8, Julie? Godly wisdom is attractive. It draws attention to itself because it is so virtuous and powerful. There's a lot of ways we can draw attention to ourselves. And as a Christian, we want people to be drawn to that peaceful, drama-free, godly wisdom in us, reflecting Jesus and our Heavenly Father, not our own selves. So one of the things we take from this is the attractiveness of wisdom is for the sake of the wisdom itself. It's not about me. It's about the wisdom. So we look at this, and, and what we're, we're going to see here is how this unfolds. Proverbs chapter 8, uh, Jonathan, let's do verses 1 through 5. Does not wisdom call, and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, at the opening of the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Again, Lady Wisdom is everywhere, and she's not hard to find. She's accessible to everybody. Here she's on the hilltop. She's at the crossroads of the street. She's at the entrance of the city. You literally have to pass by her in order to get through. <laughs> so stop and pay attention. And, and folks, look, we in our world, we don't. We don't stop and pay attention. We just look at our phones. And it, it's too bad because we're missing out on the environment that wisdom can exist. Even in the world, as messed up as it is, you can still find godly wisdom if you look around and observe and see things from a godly perspective. Wisdom's voice beckons all, even those who are not philosophical or learned. It is for everyone. So as we move through Proverbs 8, wisdom is personified as being of the Lord and sound in all judgment. 
Wisdom is shown in Proverbs 8, 12 to 21. We're not going to read all of those verses. It is shown in those verses to be the implemented will of God. So we're going to see wisdom depicted as God's will in force, and he's calling that wisdom. It's an interesting picture. So, uh, Julie, let's do Proverbs 8, 12 to 13, and then 15 to 17. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Well, the more we love God, the more we will hate evil, but not the individual. (laughs) Right. That's wisdom. And so God's own will is shown to be wisdom in these verses, in this section of Proverbs 8. And that's an important uh, kickoff point for the next personification of wisdom. Wisdom is next personified as being with the Lord from the very beginning. In Proverbs 8, 22 to 31, and again, we won't read all of these verses, it is a clear prophetic reference to the Logos, the only begotten Son, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God is referenced in John 1, 18, as being a primary expression of the ultimate wisdom of God. So the Logos, Jesus' pre-human existence, is showing us God's wisdom by his very existence. Proverbs 8, we'll just read 22 and 23. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. So in Proverbs 8, we see this incredible breadth of wisdom. As Solomon is saying, it has much more to do than just be in your little life and in your little circumstances. It's everywhere because it's from God, the creator of all things. It is expressed through his will. It is expressed through Jesus, his only begotten son. This is what wisdom is. It is so big, and I'm telling you, you can be a part of this. You can be a part of this. Let's go to Proverbs, now chapter 9. Wisdom is personified as a woman calling out to the naive to come to her and live in uprightness. She is at odds with another, a woman of folly who is boisterous and naive. So in Proverbs 9, we're going to have this little competition between the woman of wisdom and the boisterous one. And and Julie, you get to be both parts. So (laughs) before we go there, uh, Julie, what's the pearl of wisdom from chapter 9? Well, godly wisdom needs no fanfare or advertisement. Its life-altering power and foresight are enough to draw any and all who seek. So the, the key, the, the pearl of wisdom is, it's there, it's available, and it's enough. But do you look at it that way? So let's start to lay this out. Proverbs chapter 9, uh, ver- let's start with verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. So this woman of wisdom says to those who are naive, Come, come here. Uh, I've got something for you. I can nourish you. That's the message. 
So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful message, and it's an appropriate message. So now when we go a little bit further, uh, what we're saying is godly wisdom has all in order and invites any and all to come and be fed. And now we're going to take a look at sort of the other side of the issue. Lady Wisdom is shown to be a gracious woman offering hospitality, but now Solomon contrasts her with a foolish, unpleasant woman who knows nothing and is calling out to corrupt the innocent who don't know any better in Proverbs 9, 13 to 18. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. So it's fascinating that Solomon uses the same question, the same beckoning. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. Come, I can nourish you. One gives great nourishment, and the other, really not so good. (laughs) Okay, same questions, very different answers. Two choices, two ways to be fed, and two end results. And two different paths. So we have the path again. So for even more on this important topic, we recommend listening to episode 1202. Is anyone listening to the wisdom of the Bible? And be sure to click on the CQ Rewind show notes button on our website and app so you can follow along with all of our notes. So we have the first nine chapters of Proverbs, and we've gone through them in in lightning speed to get a sense of the teaching of, of why wisdom is so important, why godly understanding is so critical to whomever you are in whatever stage of life you are. Proverbs chapter 10 begins to change things around a little bit, and, and it takes a little bit of a different approach. So Jonathan, what's in Proverbs 10? Now that the value of wisdom has been established, Solomon gives us hundreds of simple and wise statements to learn from and abide by. So hundreds of simple and wise statements. What's our pearl of wisdom? There's a million of them here, but what's our pearl of wisdom, Julie, for chapter 10? The the countless facets of godly wisdom can be expressed with simplicity and wit. So we're going to drop in on just a few verses to give you an example of the simplicity and wit of godly wisdom. And these are the kinds of things that you look at and say, this is something worth thinking about. This is not just, oh, hey, that's pretty clever. It's something more than that. It's something worth thinking about. For example, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. It's a simple statement, and basically Solomon is saying, look, simply do the right thing. Just do the next right thing that needs to be done. Proverbs 10, 7 says, the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. So, in other words, am I one who stands for something or one who falls for anything? Proverbs 10, 9 says, he who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. In other words, you can run, but you can't hide. So why not just stand for what's right, right from the beginning? See, there's simplicity, but these things are all worth thinking about. Proverbs 10, 19, another one. When when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Solomon is saying, don't crowd out the truth with chatter. 
rather speak the truth with clear and simple wisdom. And lastly, Proverbs 10.32, The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverted. So the question, are my words expressions of wisdom that bless or devices of division that destroy? So by just taking a quick little sampling of Proverbs chapter 10 and the several chapters after, what we're beginning to see is the, the, the straightforward, clear, understandable application of wisdom. And again, these things are not, hey, that's a nice witty little statement. Think about them, ponder on them, and see how far and how deeply they reach into your life as ways to give each and every one of us guidance. The Proverbs are an amazing, amazing tool for us. The book of Proverbs is put there by God's will so that we can understand wisdom in a world that's absolutely gone crazy. Jonathan, our final words of wisdom. The breadth of godly wisdom is scarcely fathomable. Rather than trying to absorb its magnitude in a moment, let us instead take small and appreciative steps of learning so we can dwell on each lesson with humble gratitude. Dwell on each lesson with humble gratitude. Take small steps. Folks, it's simple. Wisdom is important. Wisdom is godly. Understanding is necessary. And we are not gifted those things. We are gifted the opportunity to learn those things. Let's get after it. Think about it. Folks, we love hearing from our listeners. We welcome your feedback and questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Coming up in our next episode, Is God Really Omnipotent? And this is picking up our Contradictions series. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> 